just another wonderful day in the neighborhood with Charles McFall, the rock god of podcasting. Ooh, I got a letter in the mail. What does it say? Oh, it's from, uh, oh, snap, it's from the NFL. This has to do with my Super Bowl ad ideas. I can't wait to see what they thought. Dear Charles McFall, on behalf of the National Football League, I am writing to tell you that your Super Bowl ad ideas have been rejected for a number of reasons. But as stipulated in the ad that you sent us, we are sending you detailed feedback. First off, the advertisements you sent us were for the 2007 Super Bowl, Colts vs. Bears. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with how time works, but we just, we're, we're having the 2019 Super Bowl. In fact, it's already done and over with, so I'm not quite sure why you sent these ads to us for then. It's not like we are going to replay that game and then put new ads on it. But I, I digress. First off, the ad you gave us for Botched Podcast, you have it listed as the next Downton Abbey. Well... I'm assuming it would be the next Downtown Abbey. You wrote it and spelled it as next Downtown Abbey. You drew a stick figure of a woman with large breasts and a lot of men around her. I don't think you know what that show's about. For Toy Power, you claim that they are the leading expert in what might be stuck in a child. I... You could not have chosen a more poor word choice for that. I mean, I get I get what you're going for because, oh, children stick toys in their ears and the nose and all that stuff, but that's not how people are going to take it. You can't say that they are experts on what might be stuck in your child. Blazing Defender Report. Yeah, this is a work... You, you sent us a workout video claiming that it's going to be a mix of Chuck Norris, Billy Banks, and Richard Simmons while you read comics. How are you going to do any of those things... While reading comics. They sit in one spot. And the, all of these exercises are all over the place. Also, Travis isn't even doing the exercises that these men would have done. He's, he's doing free lift. I, I don't have the time to get into it. Just no. For Pokemon Go podcast, we've had to deny it due to religious propaganda. Not not the Mormon stuff. Uh, that's an aside. But, but the deification of Gulpin. You mention its mouth 167 times in three minutes inappropriate. For breaking the panel, you, you kept mentioning that it was for clan members. Again, word choice. That you, I mean, you put in very small, I mean, very small parentheses. We had to use a magnifying glass to get this. You put video game clan. Why did you, why did you put that so small? Like, but nobody calls, the, they call them guilds and things like that. They don't use the word clan. It's weird. Why would you choose that word? Also, you, you you want to include your show with every purchase of MoviePass. No one buys that. <laughs> Shut up, MoviePass, demon. Back in your hole. No one gives a fuck about you. Anyways, Geek Versus. What the hell? What sort of... What fever dream were you under when you thought up this advertisement? It's... It's literally Tony, Betty, and Casey sitting in a chair about five feet away from a table that has six pies. They have no affect on their face. And there's just these weird pasta-stirring noises for seven minutes. I'm going to go ahead and assume that they're pasta-stirring noises and not whatever weird sex things that you have. But why the... What, none of that has anything to do with their show. Do you understand how advertisements work? For FTH Beyond, you have... You claim that it's marketed towards menopausal women. Why? Why would you market it towards them? Why just them? That doesn't make any sense. And what do they have to do with expired medications, cereals, sodas, candies, and meats and cheeses? 
What are you doing? And what does that have to do with selling Fords? And I'm assuming that you just misspelled the word Ford because you put F-J-O-R-D, which is Fjord. Are you saying that you want to sell Fjords? I, nothing you sent us made sense at all, okay? Stop writing us letters and sending us videos of yourself. No one gives a shit about you and your bullshit rock god of podcasting. Stop it. And yes, I noticed your not-so-clever attempt at trying to get me to go to www.giantsizeteamup.com. I'm not going there, and the National Football League's official stance is to condemn whatever shenanigans you get up to. Sincerely, with the least amount of love and adoration, Jen Ittlewartz. Well, Charles, there's always next year. These days, the comic book owns pop culture. You'll find it all in the panel of your favorite comic book. Us? We're living the comic's life. We're breaking the panel. Welcome to Breaking the Panel, where we talk about everything that is awesome in the week and sometimes some stuff that's not so awesome. But today it's going to be mostly okay. And the rock kind of podcast, Charles McFall, the man, the myth, the I don't know. I, I'm in a rut. I'm in a rut. Paul Klotz. Hey, buddy. Hey, man. We do, we do too much content together now. I don't even know how to introduce you. <laughs> yeah, that's like, I'm doing it so often. It's like, how do you be fresh? Uh, next week, I have to play you into Outcast, so fresh and so clean. We'll do that. Uh, but the brokenhearted, non-Super Bowl team lover, Philip Keating. You really undersold the show when you first intro this. <laughs> Everything's going to be good enough for you listeners. Yeah. Hey, you know, it is good enough for them. It's what they deserve. What well, they yeah, deserve. You know, it's our responsibility to deliver great content you know we have one responsibility great is not the not the bear the bar that i'm shooting for oh i think everyone can tell <laughs> you know survivable that's that's what we're looking for like you guys in the polar vortex whoop, whoop. our it's, polar vortex meant we got nothing i i mean pennsylvania is not as cold right now as your chicago's where they're like negative 40 yeah, uh, my roommate is—he was in Minnesota yesterday, and he Ooh. told me that it was negative twenty-seven. That's tough. And, that had and to the, feel like worse, I think, right? Uh, well, yeah, and the wind chill made it feel like negative forty or something wow. like that. It, he's like, "Yeah, there's a there's an advisory out to breathe through your nose so that you don't freeze your lungs by breathing through your mouth." Wait, that's a, that that's, really a thing. That yeah, a, well, that's that's the thing. Like, um, when I was on the farm this afternoon, I. Uh, Go ahead. Sorry. The, the, the math of the body does not work here for me, but go ahead, Philip. I went outside of the farmhouse to go outside to do some outside work. And I just, oh, shit. Oh, that that hurt on the inside. What the hell? But it's it's a rough four degrees right now outside of my house. For a brief second, did you go, is this what a soul feels like? No. <laughs> okay. No. Second. Uh, what about you, Paul? I mean, you, you talked about Sean, but uh, how is it where you are? Uh, I, I guess it's okay. There's a lot of, there's a lot of snow in the driveway, but I just like, I don't know. I'll dig out tomorrow, I guess. You know, it's a cold day in America when beer runs had to pause. And that happened in Chicago and Minnesota, I think, where it's too cold. They didn't actually deliver the beer because they thought freezing the trucks. No, that's yeah. Yep. But that is not what we're here to talk about. We're now talking about uh, DC Comics. And their booming career 
you don't want to get in the comics now's the time or not uh because there's some more some more layoffs coming according to bleeding cool uh it's just it's just a bad time for the print market yeah 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 and uh but they're digital they're digital doing all right 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 the the dc universe is, is uh, yeah they just got that amazon contract right they're they're probably raking in all that nice amazon divorce money right maybe maybe um i this does worry me a little bit uh because obviously we want creative stuff to keep moving forward always and would never wish for anybody to lose their job that rightfully deserved it but um you know i'm I'm excited dc universe has been announcing all the shows that they come get coming out by basically every two months they're launching a new show and i just finished up uh titans and having never really watched all the animations and stuff that were the serious ones you know let's go with the kids whatever i watched that but um i like titans it was a decent first shot out of the gate just like iron man was a decent first shot out of the gate i think given time dc will refine their tv skills and, and become better but i'm wondering if if these layoffs keep happening and they keep running down this lane of just stuff not working can we see an end to dc media in the future no well no the answer is no you don't need to we don't need the comics to keep driving the media you don't i don't i don't think so Okay. I really don't. I mean, the, the the icons are so popular now that we'll always be getting a, an iteration of Batman, Superman. Now Wonder Woman has put herself on the map. Aquaman. Aquaman is just big. And, you know, it's it's a strange IP, but, you know, people are still wanting to see the the Green Lantern. <laughs> Jesus. The, Lantern. the Green, you know, we don't pronounce the, the T's in Latin. Atlanta. Thank you. <laughs> um, but, you know, that's still an option. So I, I think no matter what, you're still always going to get DC media. Have you guys watched any Titans? Have you been, that's really the only thing I have to compare right now. The wife has. I, I don't have time for that. I heard that it should have been renamed Dick Grayson and occasionally some friends. But mm, That's fair. More or less. Yeah, that's what the, I haven't watched it yet, but like basically that's the feedback that I saw was like, hey, this was basically entirely show. about Dick and <laughs> everybody else was kind of an afterthought. Um, Not I, entirely, but it, was, it wasn't the team up that you probably would hope for. Yeah. Which begs the question, why the fuck did you make a show called Titans if it's not the Titans team up that everybody would hope for? But whatever. Whatever. I'm not angry. It's fine. Watch it. Watch it. You'll enjoy it. Uh, I I would have to subscribe to their bullshit service to watch it, and I'm not about to. You you have friends in Australia who know how to find things for you. (laughs) Um, But to to touch back on the the future of the, the medium, if you will, I don't know that comics are going to disappear. Like, I don't know that they're going to just stop making comics, but I think they're definitely going to have to prune the offerings. Like the the problem with both of the two big houses right now is they have so many fucking books, so many books, dozens of books covering every little side character you could possibly cover. And I think one, it puts a tremendous amount of pressure on creators to tell interesting stories without fucking up continuity for everybody else. Whereas team books, which were like the foundation, right? Like you go back several decades, team books kind of ruled 
it was pretty hard to rule to ruin continuity for a whole bunch of characters when they were all in the same book anyways. Right. You know, but now these, they're all getting splintered off into their own books and everything. And it makes things complicated. Um, so I think if they, they focus back down to their core, their core properties their core characters that really resonate, you can still do stuff with the other ones. You can do one-offs. You can do, you know, bring a, a beloved, but somewhat fringe character in from the sidelines into one of the stories being told in a main book, but they just have too many books and people aren't going to keep buying these books. Um, but the other thing is like, they've been too slow to transition to digital. We've talked about this before. Um, we, uh, it seems like they're, they're the latest news this past week or so is that they're starting to, right? Yeah. Um, I believe I saw an article pop up in our group chat for the network that um, they're going to start, they're going to take a step towards competing with Marvel Unlimited and offering more books and stuff. And it's like, well, you needed to do that two years ago. More than that. Oh, yeah. But yeah, correct. Two years ago would have been an acceptable lag from the the second place comic house. You know what I mean? Because sure. they're definitely behind Marvel. We know that, especially because of the strength of the MCU. But even Marvel isn't like, they're not crushing sales figures for comic books, for physical books. They're having a tough time. So I think both houses are going to have to... You know, they're going to have to restructure. You're going to have to downsize. You're going to have to tighten up your book offering and you're going to have to make them available digitally in for sale immediately. So the people who, because the, the, I've talked about this before, physical space is becoming a premium and we're in an increasingly digital age. I mean, Marie Kondo is telling everybody to get the fuck rid of everything. <laughs> so now it's not a good time to be trying to get people to line their long boxes with, uh, with books. I, I blame Bill Maher. He he single handedly brought. Oh fuck that <laughs> Oh, you mean Ann Coulter of the left? <laughs> oh wow! Could you imagine it's if not, they? That's not my up. joke. That's not my joke, but it's true. <laughs> Could you imagine if they hooked up though, and like the what Demogorgon she's, child? He's on that show more than Bill Maher is. I mean, I, it's yeah. not out of the question of. I'm not. We're not getting into. No, it. no, sorry. I've I threw yeah, out I, my body cannot handle that thought. <laughs> but uh, yeah, anyways, I, I think it's time they're going to have to adapt to to changes. And it just it it super reminds me when Netflix and Blockbuster were doing their dance. It's like. Netflix goes disc to the mail and then Blockbuster's like <laughs> that'll fail fuck yep. and then they scramble to get the Blockbuster online and, and just like this they were fucking you right, know three right. years too late so I don't we're, think the outcome will be the same but it we're, logically if you, it, I mean Blockbuster should have been what Netflix is like they should have been the first to market on a digital streaming surface service. They should have been first to market on shipping things directly to your house. And they weren't, they just misplayed it. They had all this competitive advantage and they just buried it. What's funny is Netflix almost sold to them yep. for a stupid low amount of like $500,000. I mean, it was a stupid low, yep. maybe 5 million. I don't remember. Uh, and, and John, whatever his name is, I think that runs Netflix decided to either you make it bigger, you're down with the ship. And obviously he made the best. Yeah. Like, there's, there's a point where an offer like that is so low that there's no point in taking it. You know what I mean? Like even 5 million, it's like he, he's better off doubling down and trying to dig out yeah. in, at that point. Now, if they offered like 50 or a hundred million and you knew you were going to get double digit millions as a CEO or the owner or whatever, getting out of that deal yeah. and you'd recoup all your losses personally. And eh, maybe that's a different situation, but 
500k, 5 million, even either or, it's like so abysmally low that it's not worth it. It's been well, and listeners are free to write in with the actual number. By memory, it was abysmally low, but they it was this offer they considered for a hot minute. And it happens in a different dimension, and we'll just never know what the outcome could have been <laughs> of Blockbuster Presents Daredevil. In, in, in some universe or not universe, but some dimension that is very close to ours. Motherfuckers be watching block flicks right now. <laughs> yeah. And they love it. You know, I, yeah. no, I was going to say, then they're going to block stop to pick up their video games. Yeah. See, that's why that's what I get out of the membership. When I had it was I could go to the physical store with my membership when I could return the disc to the store. So instantly get credit. They chip me the next one. So that's faster, but I could go in I don't remember what the deal was. You know what? There's an expert on the show who could tell us what the deal was. They could go into the store and get a certain amount of free movies and games each week. Yep. Uh, every time that you turned in a online movie, you could exchange it for one of anything in the store. And then they had something called the Game Pass where you could pay um, yeah, did that one $20 a month for unlimited returns and swap outs on video games. Um, which didn't <laughs> exclude anything. No, so it did not. Kingdom Hearts 3, you could have gone out the day it came <laughs> out and got it. Yep. Uh, yeah, it was it was really dumb, but that's how it worked. But they never did. Well, as far as I know, they never did streaming. Uh, Netflix was getting... Streaming is what got Netflix over the top. They did. They signed a contract very late in their life with DirecTV, and they had Blockbuster online oh, streaming. Yeah, I kind of remember that, but that time I was like... Pfft. I had Netflix. It's working fine. I was already sold my soul and was working at Wells Fargo by then. So, <laughs> is that an upgrade or a downgrade from Blockbuster? It's, uh, the same hell, just a different uh, colored shirt. I wasn't in blue and khaki. I was in red and khaki. There you go. Uh, well, you know, we're t- this is uh, talking about these wars, right? These streaming wars, the movie wars. Now, everything, as we know now, everything is basically streamable. Right. I, I'd be interested to see what Netflix's disc subscription service numbers were compared to streaming service. I know I dropped the disc a while back uh, and just do the streaming and been doing that for a while. Uh, everybody's expanding. You know, everybody being Hulu, uh, Netflix, Amazon Prime, making their own content. But the competition is always trying to get movies and stuff. What's one, of the, what's one of the biggest complaints you have had about Netflix? It's all old shit. Nobody cares about it. Right. Uh, which is not true. This is an interesting article I found again on Bleeding Cool. Nope, that's the wrong one. I clicked the wrong link there. Oh, shit. The link's in there twice. Damn it. So now I got to look up. So you guys talk about something while I look up the goddamn story I had. So, Paul, you like stuff? Yeah. (laughs) Sure, buddy. Me, Me too, man. I, 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 I like... I like that hat you got there. Remember that time when uh, <laughs> you and Chris yelled at each other for uh, 30 minutes where you guys had to have a meeting after the show? Which, which time? Oh, the entire time he's on. <laughs> All right, this is not the exact one, but it'll do. It'll do, Donkey. <laughs> the BTP motto. Ah, fuck it. It's good enough. There you go. All right, so you guys can jump in there. Uh, so the original article I found in my email was Amazon Prime has the most movies ever. 
And it's all, it was really is a it was on Prime dick sucking piece about how uh you know oh they got all the movies and this and they got more than Hulu more than Netflix and they were talking about how Netflix and stuff was Netflix and Hulu were trying to compete and and blah blah, blah. and I brought it to the table because my and the title I put in here was the numbers don't tell you everything and while Amazon physically has way more movies than Hulu or uh, uh, Netflix. Netflix actually has the highest concentration of Paul's favorite thing, Rotten Tomatoes certified fresh films. Uh, I thought you were going to say hentai. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta be fresh. Yeah. Uh, but my point before I even saw that line, my point was going to be with the numbers is that's a bullshit number. The one they put out that said, Oh, Amazon prime has a, you got to pay for a lot of that. Even with the prime membership, you don't get that much for free. I've, I've looked at it a number of times and you find every time, your Christmas comes up or Dragon Con comes up. I look at maybe getting Prime and going, what's well, the same? Literally the same TV shows I have already on Netflix or Hulu for the most part. Uh, or the ones that I want, I have to pay for. You know, like Doctor Who when it came out. You had to pay $2 an episode when you are Prime. Yeah, it wasn't included. And so say, saying it has more movies physically doesn't mean anything. But uh, I thought I did think this was going to be interesting. Wow, I even see Hulu, uh, HBO come in there. But Certified Fresh, so Netflix has 596 Certified Fresh films, which is a little over 15% of its films are Certified Fresh, which blows Amazon and Hulu both out of the water that have 232 and 223, respectively. Uh, HBO, 38. (laughs) That's all HBO has. But to be fair, HBO only puts on like 60 films at a time on their service. It's kind of tight there. Um, what do you think about that? I, I think Netflix being that whole certified fresh aspect is going to help them out in the long run. I still use my Netflix account more than I use anything else. And now that, uh, well, here's a dirty secret that everyone knows. Since I still have cable, I can just <sighs> scream. Shut up. I can still, I can just scream. Uh, hey, Comcast Gosh. overlords. Uh, load my Netflix, please. I don't feel like getting. Oh, you got one of those Xfinity talking remote. I don't feel like getting up two feet to get my Xbox or PS4 controller. Just load it for me. (laughs) But I mean, that's that's fine. I mean, I Netflix is my primary source of everything. You know, the only time I turn on Amazon Prime is when I want to watch what we do in the shadows, and uh, and and other fine films like that. But. Yeah, I'm always using Netflix for everything. And talk about old movies. I mean, HBO is the king of fucking old movies. Oh, yeah. I mean, they, they roll out three new things a month and then... Ish. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Three yeah. to six every month and, and then that's it. So uh, Now, HBO has actually gotten away from movies, in my opinion, gone super strong in the TV area. They almost <laughs> always have some nominated show for all the awards out there. Uh, you know, no matter what time of season the award is, every year HBO's got multiple shows. So yeah, they do strong. They don't need movies that much. Well, it's, I mean, that's all, all of them, all four of them. Are They're you not done. Toast? Well, that, well, no, all four of the services focus more on original content and television shows because that's what keeps subscriptions. Yeah. You know, the more television shows that you have paced out correctly throughout the year keeps somebody signed up throughout that entire year. That's why CBS All Access doesn't work because A, 85% of their clientele dies off every week and then B, Star Trek isn't on for six months. Yeah. So that, yeah. yeah. But you have to have those movies. I, mean, I know we have HBO Go 
and uh, we check, you know, once a month or so, we check to see what the new movies were that popped on to see if it's something we hadn't seen. Of course, if we haven't, then we want to see it. You know, Netflix, same thing. Is every once in a while, we're like, hey, we need to find this family movie or that family movie or something like that. And in between the movies, the, the TV is what makes it happen. Do you think ultimately that quantity over quality is going to matter? And even, even then, I, I wish they compare the prime movies that you get in your subscription versus the Netflix films that you get in your subscription. Because I'm pretty sure the, the numbers game is they're counting every film that's on prime. And that's all right. So, so here's the thing about prime prime is a service that is good. Like the, the stuff you get with prime video and then also the stuff you get with Twitch, by the way, have you folks at home heard of Twitch prime? <laughs> did you know if you have amazon prime you get a free sub every month to your favorite content created channel of your choice i wish i just go on over to twitch.tv slash fth beyond and throw us a sub if you would kindly thank you i wish uh, i had a burlap sack of coins that i could just shake with. <laughs> <laughs> um you get amazon prime generally because you shop on Amazon and you want that free shipping or in that two day shipping. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You want that free two day shipping and ever, and the other things that come with it. Um, in addition, you get access to some content on there. You get your Twitch prime. It's awesome. Like, especially for young people, like people my age and younger, if you're a gamer and you like to watch shows and stuff, it's amazing. It's a, it's a awesome value all around. And if you're a student, uh, the student rate is like half the price of the normal monthly rate for Amazon prime. Uh, and it, that's great as well. So like, cause I, yeah, let's not talk about that. Um, <laughs> if you have a dot edu address, uh, you, you can get student prime. Um, and th- there's some slight differences from normal prime and student prime, but they're insignificant to me. So they're probably insignificant to you. If you're listening to this, but anyways, the point is what's on it is great. Um, because it's, it's a perk that goes with something else that you probably are already getting. That being said, don't try to market yourself as being like the best because frankly, Amazon prime is where I go to find stuff that I can't find anyplace else for whatever reason. And it's generally British stuff. That seems to be what they've cornered the market on. They have a lot of the BBC stuff. Um, they have some other British stuff as well. Yeah, but they're, quick question. Do you have, do they have like British game shows? Um, I, no, try to find, I try to find some more of, um, you're talking uh, like the lost, panel shows. Yeah. I lost his name, but the fix uh, host, I can't think I lost his name right now, but Oh, uh, Jimmy Carter. Of, yes. He he does a lot of different game shows in Britain, and I can't find them anywhere. I'd love to watch. That's they're why on, they're on YouTube, bud. Oh, fuck yeah! I didn't think about that. Yeah, uh, eight out of ten cats does countdowns on YouTube. Uh, the big fat quiz is on YouTube. Yeah, most of those shows end up on YouTube. Right. Um, but yeah. Anyways, the point is, their prices are terrible for stuff that you actually have to pay for. Um, the one that I remember distinctly being enraged on behalf of Sean for was, uh, he was watching star Wars rebels and the first season was like 25 bucks. You got the whole season. The second season, they split into two parts and it was $25 per part of of the season. And they did that part way through the second season. So it was this crazy, crazy, like doubling of the charge and everything. And, um, yeah, like to their rental fees are pretty high. Like, I don't know, man, I don't understand why they're not competitive with Redbox. like make it a buck or two, you know, it make it two bucks for the, 
you know, 1080p super Blu-ray 4k edition, whatever you want to, you know, whatever your video porn, uh, preferences. <laughs> Reddit. Uh, you just blew my fucking mind with that rebel shit. Yeah. Cause they packaged that season two as a complete, and after you, can the pick, fact. you can pick that up for 15 bucks on Blu-ray. Like, Oh yeah. After the fact. Yeah. When it was coming. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, when it, well, okay. You're talking about when it, when it first, hit. when it was airing, it was like, they're like, okay, $25 for the season. So Sean buys it. Mm-hmm. And then they get to the mid season break and they're like, okay, we'll be back in a couple months. And they come back and it's like, Oh, it's $25 for the other part of the season. I might be slightly off on exact numbers, but I do remember it being like twenty, twenty-five dollars, something like that. No, it's, it's twenty bucks. It's still up there. Yeah, and so it was like, "Are you kidding me? Come on!" That is unreal. So, and I've looked at other stuff that's expensive like that too. Uh, recently, um, friend of the show, Doctor Usell, and I were watching The Expanse together. Uh, that was our Sunday night hangout thing before I started doing the uh, Borderlands stream with you guys was we would watch like two or three episodes of the expanse and, you know, have dinner, hang out, watch the expanse, uh, which is a fantastic show, by the way. Oh my God. But we're, you know, I, I digress. Uh, yeah. But it was like, again, 25, $30 for the third season. And I was like, dude, fuck off. Like, no, is there a lot of content there? Yes. Like a full season of a show is a lot of hours of television, but like that is so not in line with like the price of other things. You know what I mean? And if I wait long enough, like if I'm going to back binge and it's not available on one of the other streaming services, I'm going to find that that season's Blu-ray and a clearance section in like a year for 15 bucks. You know what I mean? And then I'll own it. So like you were saying, you wait to not stream it. And then for $15, you just buy the Blu-ray brand new. So my, my issue has been that Amazon's pricing is really high. Now, maybe part of that is who they're partnered with, and, and that's a mutual decision between the, the production houses and, and them, but it's still high. And I feel like Amazon has the kind of clout to pull a Walmart and be like, so your, your number's here, but it should be down here. And then they're like, oh, you're Amazon. You're right. It should be down here <laughs> because <laughs> you know Amazon does the most business in the world right now. So, but... Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, trying to compare all the different services is awkward, though, because they, they definitely do offer different things. Yeah. Um, like Hulu and Amazon have some original programming, but not on the scale of Netflix. No. Netflix has so much original content. Um, and even the, 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 the rebranding stuff, the licensed stuff that you're grabbing from the UK mm-hmm. and then slapping your original content label on, there's still more of that than any of the other services. You know what I mean? Like it's there's. Yeah. And to hear that the the Rotten Tomato scores, you know, certified fresh films are popping up in higher quantity and higher density on Netflix, that tells me that not so much that every movie that I want to see is going to be on Netflix, but it tells me that if I want to watch something randomly, if I want to go through that movie queue, I'm going to bump into quality films more often than not on Netflix as opposed to other platforms. So, yeah, I mean, they win in that regard, dude. And I got to tell you, man, they're, they're, they've done an update to their algorithm in the last couple months because their recommendations are getting way more spot on. You know, it's like, because you watch this, I'm like, yes, I'll watch that next thing. Thank you. Or just randomly, you know, uh, the trending is not always the same trending, right? You'll have a different trending than I will uh, because it's based on our demographics and what we watch as well. Uh, but the trending has been a lot more up my alley uh, to watch different things. And, the, you know, Netflix... Uh, We've had Netflix since its inception, 
we were actually, my wife and I were actually included in the, the class action lawsuit that happened, a, I don't know, probably a decade ago now. Um, I don't even know what it's about. Just all of a sudden I got, here's a free month of Netflix. I'm like, all right, cool. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Uh, type of deal. But uh, you know, we jumped on the streaming and we got rid of the discs a while back. We have Hulu and we have Netflix or two main go-tos. And Hulu's like our week-to-week TV that we like. And then they've got a lot of great comedies, uh, old comedies like Cheers and Golden Girls. Uh, 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 Married with Children hit Hulu recently, and, and I love that stuff. So uh, watching that from my childhood. Though we'll watch our TV shows there more or less and then do the movies and stuff on Netflix. Or so there's a lot of reality TV and stuff that my wife likes to, likes to watch over on Netflix. And, but for the first time ever, Two months ago, at the most, you know, you're talking about around Thanksgiving. All of a sudden, my wife starts adding stuff to the queue, and I start adding stuff to the queue because the algorithms just got better at recommending stuff mm-hmm. to us. Because I'm, I'm that guy that will do the thumbs up or thumbs down on just about everything because I want to dial it in. But there's multiple people because uh, Aaron shares my profile, then each of the kids have their own, so they can keep track of what kids shows they watch and whatever. Uh, but yeah, I mean, all of a sudden my cue is filling up because Aaron is finding new things that are actually hitting her interests based on this algorithm. On the flip side, Hulu, I'm going to single Hulu out here. Hulu's algorithm is fucking garbage. Oh God, it is. Uh, And their new look is shit. And they're fucking, yes, it's so bad. Everything about Hulu is (laughs) disgusting. It's millennial. I'm telling you now, it's what it feels like. It feels like straight millennial. No, 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 no. It's not even that. So I, I watched the other day. I um I picked up a couple Lego sets on clearance and I was putting them together. And what I always do is I watch TV while I do that. I watched the latest SNL and then I needed something else to watch. So I started watching Grownish, which is the spinoff show from Blackish with the the daughter. She goes off to college and uh, it's a com- kind of tonally completely different, but it it's similar. Anyways, I'm watching that. After everything that I finish on Hulu, if I finish something that is at the end of its season or whatever, it tries to play something random. And I don't like that. Like, don't try to jam something down my throat. And in this case, the other day, it kept trying to get me to watch fucking Saved by the Bell Goes to Hawaii. Klotz. Uh, is telling you something, Klotz. And, and, and so it starts playing the first episode after I watch SNL. And I'm like, no, fuck that. I watched like a half hour episode of one of the other shows I watch. After that, it started playing episode two. I'm like, I didn't even watch the entire first episode. You dumb dick. I exited out. Oh my God. So I finished what's available for Gronish. It starts playing episode three. I'm like, Oh my God, you're dumb. Like (laughs) if I, okay. Netflix knows that if I bail on something in the first five minutes, I don't want to watch it. Yeah. So they don't try to jam it at me again. It might still show up in, in one of the bars, but they're not going to just autoplay it. <laughs> I like to think that they haven't made enough money on that series. So everybody is running into this where they just jam <laughs> Saved by the Bell Hawaii years down everyone's throat. We spent a billion dollars on this. We need to recoup it. Somehow. I just, I hate everything. I hate the UI. I hate, yeah, the UI I hate everything about it. I hate the fact that it's the only service that drops episodes. Yeah. It's the only one that lops them off the, the beginning of the season. Like, come on, dude, fuck off. Like you're, you're only this much better than cable. That is the problem. You're, you're, you're better than cable, but you're all, Oh, you're like, eh. yeah. you're, you're dick hair better than cable. 
like that much better. <laughs> oh my god! You know, it, it's it's here's what Hulu ultimately is. It's a a meeting ground for your show, so I don't have to have the Fox app, which is a thing. I don't have to have the ABC app, which is a thing. I don't have to have the NBC app. Yeah. It's well, look! Look who's behind Hulu. Those are the people behind it. It's ABC, Fox, the WB. Like they're all part owners in it. It's this. It's this super network run by networks, and we right. know that the networks are full of dumb dicks. Like it's just an amalgamation of of dick hairs in a human suit. <laughs> hey, human hey, right. hey, it's, it's the, the let's let's make the Captain Planet of streaming services. Yeah, our powers combined, except our powers are the power of our interns. Our garbage third tier <laughs> interns that don't do anything else important, but design and curate our platform. And it's, it's shit. And what's crazy is every time they do an online update, it tends to work out better. And then their device update is shit. No, my device is a Roku, but you know, go for Apple TV or wherever else. Uh, and, and yeah, uh, and just the other day we pulled up things like, Whoa, what is this? Oh, I mean, it's not even a full graphic or anything. It's like this color palette. And you see Tyler was, could you watch the next episode with with maybe a logo or something on it's like the fuck is this shit why did i have to go from having my episode there and hitting it hitting the button twice to watch it but i still could see i can still get to the episodes easily to this your third grade paint project yeah I mean, MS, MS Paint, not, you know. <sighs> but to get back still to Still better original, than CBS All Access. Well, <laughs> no, well, the original question was, is more better? Yeah. And the answer, Charles, is no. I can tell you that, that, you know, when people came into Blockbuster, they only cared about the movies that came out that week. And nobody yeah. wanted to go into the middle section to watch anything old. They only care about what's new this week. So, no, more is not better. Yeah. In any aspect. So, oh, all right. With that, we're gonna go uh, uh, light our dick hairs. <laughs> yeah, like into a dickers to blockbuster overlords who are truly the Illuminati running everything behind the scenes, and we'll be back behind the jeans. Come on. <laughs> okay, uh, this is Mike, your post-production editor for Breaking the Panel. If Phil were here, he'd talk to you about uh, Patreon. And, uh, and he'd probably call you a dick, and he'd refer to this as a shit show of some kind. But if you, if you love the show and you love the guys, here's how you can help. Uh, go to Patreon, give us money, and we'll give you things in return. Merch. We, we have merch. Merchandise. We got uh, mugs, we got t-shirts, and there may be other things. I haven't actually gone there to look yet, but I know Charles has said the words mugs and t-shirts. So, uh... It's tiny.cc slash GSTU. Merch. Buy the merch. Oh, there's a link on our website as well. So go to the Breaking the Panel page, click on the link, go to the uh, merch website, buy the merch, and we get money. So any way you want to look at it, give us money. Okay, back to the show. And welcome back to Breaking the Panel. Hope you enjoyed whatever filling your ear holes for the last 30 seconds there. Uh, we've got, this is the... Uh, more or less the soapbox area of the show. where so we don't talk about the news. We talk about the things that are riling us up, getting us ready to talk. And it just so happens that soapbox glass fills this most of the time. But, you know, it's there for all of us. Phil, you could do something every once in a while. So, all right. I like everything. <laughs> I got nothing to bitch about. <laughs> uh, what's this one here? GDC survey reveals some interesting thoughts among the dev community. I do like talking industry. So what's going on? Well, okay, so uh, GDC 
is game developer conference um, is the big convention every year where game devs get to come together uh they do tons of panels they hit on do uh, they upload a ton of their prior uh um presentations like you know how ted talk got really big if like yes. 10 years ago when they started uploading a whole bunch of their high profile talks they do the same thing and i'll tell you i have been engrossed by more than a few gdc talks that were really fascinating um ranging from like big names in the industry to smaller names uh so it's super cool it's in san francisco as a matter of fact friend of the show dr Usell, uh who runs the the game design program at suny poly here in upstate new york he is planning to go this year so i kind of this kind of hit my radar because he was talking about um going and then this survey came out and now this is hitting like the major subreddits and stuff gdc survey half of game developers support unionization and uh i believe yeah 30 percent or um, no i'm sorry a majority of people who responded to the survey believe that steam no longer justifies its 30 percent revenue take wow. of pc game sales um so so the first big thing is unionization um we know because stories have come out that Pretty much across the board, major developers, especially AAA developers, have huge issues with overworking their their dev and design teams. Um, basically, you know that that last minute crunch at the end, of, you know when you're when you're re- getting ready to go gold, when you're getting your feedback from your beta and looking to go live, it it's brutal. And some companies are worse than others. Some games are worse than others. But we know that kind of as a whole, shit's bad in the industry. It, it's it's pretty quickly become kind of a sweatshop industry. And like you might eat. And the thing is you might get paid well compared to other industries, but you are definitely being asked to go above and beyond in most cases. Um, like at a, at a major AAA studio, your starting rate is probably going to be upwards of 50 K depending on, you know, what area, you know, where their offices that you're working at and everything. Cause obviously there's going to be local cost of living adjustments generally. Sure. Yeah. Um, but like you, you can expect upwards of 50 K, which if you compare and this is in the U S if you compare that to the median income in the U S that's actually pretty decent. But you also have to keep in mind that these people are at least bachelor's college graduates, mm-hmm. you know, cause there's very, very little hiring of people who don't have degrees. It's almost unheard of. Um, and the, the people who do get hired that don't have degrees are probably people who've been around forever or prove themselves with an indie project that was so good that they're, they're, skill and their ability is irrefutable um so these are people who probably have tremendous student loan debt um so they're they're taking these jobs it's a very competitive industry there's definitely more people looking to enter the industry than there are seats to be given and it is brutal so the hours suck and the there's no appreciation you know what i mean like the 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 design leads and the you know the project leads and stuff they get all the press and everybody else just gets swept into the shadows you know what i mean and they're the ones grinding away day in and day out so i totally get why they would want to unionize but the real question is is that even feasible Mm. can the games industry absorb development being unionized because that means you're going to negotiate benefits you're going to negotiate stuff like hours like you know minimum maximum hours you're gonna it's it's going to dramatically increase the cost of making a game hands down guaranteed there's no way around it yeah um go ahead i i just would 
figure I knew your answer. I mean, you're you're in New York, so you're mob by birth. So you're always pro union, right? <laughs> I actually have uh, my personal position on unions is actually more nuanced than that, um, because unions can be they're tricky. Um, in some industries, they're very beneficial. You know what I mean? And they they provide protections and standards for people that make it so that you can't get so easily taken advantage of, or at least as a whole, as a general body, you and your fellow workers don't get taken advantage of as a whole. Um, the individual tends to, it's tough as an individual in a unionized field, mm -hmm. because like, there are times where a union will just turn their back on you and let you flap out in the wind because it's not worth the fight that it would be to stand up for you. If you get into some kind of trouble or something, they'd rather just let you, you know, get yeah. chopped and then, you know, it doesn't affect their relationship and everything going forward. Um, but as a whole, it, it's kind of a big deal. Um, a lot of my nuanced position came about because I went to school to be an educator I didn't complete that education to become an educator, but I was, I was starting to learn the ropes. I was learning the, you know, obviously the, the fundamentals of pedagogy and like what was involved on the back end of being a teacher, especially in, you know, public education. And they're unionized pretty much everywhere. Oh, yeah. uh, at least in New York, they are. I don't know if they are in all states, but most places, uh, especially major metro areas, teachers are definitely unionized. And there was a really high profile documentary done like, I want to say about 10 years ago about charter schools that analyzed, uh, you know, the benefits of charter schools versus public schools. And it analyzed some of the, the darker seedier side of the union issue. Like it, it looked at the fact that unions almost become like you, you crack the mob joke, but unions do yeah. kind of become a mob. Eventually. Well, it becomes, you have to do it this way for the betterment of the whole or whatever, whatever the rep yeah. does not, because I know you have union reps, whatever the reps decide on your behalf type of deal versus, hey, okay, Georgia's a right to hire state, which means I can quit anytime or you can fire me anytime with precedent. You have to, mm -hmm. whatever. Uh, but you can just do that. Um, so, but there are unions here. And that's the thing is I, anytime as a creator can do what I want. And I can leave at any time. But when it's a, I was talking to some of the guys in the film unions here, that's all about being one Now that I've got my numbers back of doing medic work on sets. And he goes, mm -hmm. well, you have to be in the union. It's like, yes, I understand you buy in. It's no problem, whatever. Uh, but in Georgia, because right, the hire means the unions are here voluntarily, but because it's part of the, the movie industry, or whatever. But essentially, you can turn down work, but it's a list. So once you name made, made it to the top of the list, if you don't take the work, you go to the bottom with prejudice. Yeah. So I was like, well, and because of my day gig, I can't just take any job. Um, but at the same time, I've been in situations, and I got you, Phil, I'm going to throw it to you. Oh, no, 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 you're but good. I've been in situations where I almost, I tried to form a union because the the bosses were just looking at a sellout. I mean, they were literally were looking to sell the company and took a shit on all of us. Mm -hmm. And I was like, look, I'll stay and do my job. I understand you're selling. I'm not trying to do that, but don't take a shit on me. There's 17 of us and there's one of you. If we walk, this company's done, yeah. you know, and people were afraid to join me, whatever. But there's a time when a union will keep you from being abused. And the yeah. game industry is abusive. Right. So in, in a case like that, it's really beneficial. But then you also deal with the flip side. Unions dramatically drive cost up. Uh, look at any construction job in an area that has unions. I mean, they, they joke about it, for example, in Manhattan. Um, you strip the drywall off a wall 
and you have to stop work for two weeks because they got to get a union guy in there to d- deal with the electric or yeah. like the, the moment you change material. Oh, I see a pipe. Got to call a union plumber. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, you know, work grinds to a halt and it becomes complicated. And then especially if you start dealing with government related stuff, it gets even more complicated because then you have to have the, you know, it's, it's craziness. Um, it's all to protect the workers, but at the same time, right. Unions themselves become powerful lobbying bodies as well. You know I mean? So they get involved in politics, they get involved in everything. So if the, if the games industry unionizes, does it muddy the process? Like if you're a coder, can your boss ask you to do some QA work because your assigned projects are done? And well, and that's the thing. If you're unionized, well then probably not because uh, the QA guys are probably either not part of your union or they're part of a different union or they're considered a different job within the union. And again, costs go through the roof. Um, And we already know that the games industry, yes, they're generating billions and billions of dollars every year, but for all but the biggest titles, it's a grind. You know, it's, you set a lot of money on fire to make some money back. And particularly for small, small devs, you know, I'm not talking about your indie devs because obviously they don't have to unionize. If, if, if the three of us want to make a game together and we decide to set up in our basement or our garage or whatever, that's no big deal. And you can do that. And there's nothing that's going to keep you from doing that. Even if the big companies unionize or the industry at large unionizes, but the midsize companies, you know, when you have a dev team of like 10 to 20 people, you're going to get buried. You're going to get totally bodied by unions because yep. your operating costs are going to go through the roof. So it's a, it's a tough situation. Um, so here's how you prevent that. In my opinion, you've got to, we've got to reorganize industry. We've got to make it where you set realistic milestones, where you hire more people and you have more realistic hours. I had friends over at Codemasters, and when uh, dirt three was their big game coming out at the time, and when that was reaching the last couple of months, I mean, if he had was going to retire earlier and he did, it would have been a great recording of the inside the industry and how that works. Because mm-hmm. it's, it's hell. is is hell on that. And that's three months of hell, mandatory overtime. And, you know, when it's done, the game ships, everybody gets like a month off and you're rich as shit, but you, you're too tired to spend it. And then you got to go back into the next game pretty quickly. Well, know? and then also consider the... Um the projects that fail for, for reasons outside of the right. dev team's control, yeah. you know, uh, let's take, for example, high res, which is in Atlanta. This is in your backyard. Mm-hmm. High res makes a couple of games. Namely, they make smite, which kind of carved out its own niche and it does pretty well, but they also made paladins and paladins was in development for like three years. It was kind of a public known thing. Paladins looks like an Overwatch ripoff because it is the functionally similar game. Paladins is, uh, <laughs> but it's but it's not an Overwatch ripoff because it was in development already when Overwatch was announced. That's true. That, that's very true. So you know now we're talking about a project that failed. All t- I mean because they still push Paladins, they make some money, and some people like Paladins. But honestly, it's nowhere near what Overwatch has done. You have a project that was in simultaneous development, kind of like when when Hollywood makes two movies that are pretty similar that come out the same year. Yeah, Trans Morphers. Yeah, <laughs> and you know that that project ultimately probably arguably tanked. 
And it's not the fault of the dev team. It's not the fault of high res. They couldn't have anticipated that one of the biggest players in the industry would come roaring out of the gates with reveal, you know, cinematics for this new property that is essentially their game, but with the backing of Blizzard, you know, EA or not EA, uh, Activision Blizzard. And you're just like, I couldn't imagine being a dev on that team, being like, oh, fuck. Like, uh, that's our game. And, you know, it, it sucks. Um, not necessarily their fault. Um, similarly, uh, before Fortnite exploded for its Battle Royale mode, Save the World was going to flop. You know, a lot of people worked really hard on Fortnite. And they spent, they had been in development of that game for years. It had been in development for like six years. It came out and Save the World was grinding by. It was not doing well. Battle Royale mode comes out, saves them, turns them into an industry powerhouse over, literally overnight. Like, don't get me wrong. Epic Games was a major player because of the Unreal Engine, but they were not known for producing the biggest, best games in the industry. And now they are. So shifts like that, like with unions involved, that saved the world to Battle Royale uh, transition might not have ever happened. Uh, Hi-Rez might have tanked completely because of a project like Paladins failing. Uh, who knows? You know what I mean? So it's, it's a complicated issue. And we also know, um, we've talked about this in the past on the show, I think, uh, the price of games has not adjusted for inflation or anything else. It, it hasn't increased in a decade. You know, $60 is that magical price point for a AAA title when it comes out. And it should really be closer to like 80, 85, something like that. You know, if, if you adjusted for inflation and did it comparative to other things that have had their prices increased, you know, other entertainment products. Uh, if you unionize, that's going to happen like that uh, immediately. Like if the whole industry somehow unionized and didn't get everybody fired in the process, mm-hmm. every, you know, your AAA titles are not going to be $60 anymore. They're going to be $85, $90 easy, if not higher, if not $100 or whatever i don't know i i, I had Can the market I, absorb that though who knows i, don't know. yeah. I, mean, I remember when games were 25 and 30 dollars brand new and then it went to 40 then it went to 50 then it's now at 60 is that price point I'm I, think, I think it's been 60 though since like nes times hasn't it it's for, uh the the playstation one and the xbox you could get games for 40 dollars brand new i, I want to say so. I might be I might be older. Six, Sixty day. has been the price point for since uh, PS3 and 360 era. Yeah, so for a good long while. I mean, you're still talking 15 years or so, but yeah. um, it, it was it just was hard. Even now, it's like man, 59 dollars for a game, but now it's almost like it's more worth it, right? Because you get if eighty hours of great game, game. If you get a great game. If you get a game like Spider Man, God of War horizon zero dawn yes 100 percent. those are 60 dollar games they earn their 60 dollars hands down final fantasy 15 even though it wasn't everybody's cup of tea there's 200 hours worth of content in that game with just the base game you know what i mean kingdom hearts just came out um if that's your jam that uh, from my understanding that's like a 60 70 hour game so yeah octopath traveler i didn't want to pay 60 dollars for it so i didn't that is like a hundred plus hour game if you play through everything is that worth 60 bucks? You bet your ass it is. I mean, ultimately, for real? Like, yeah, of course. You'd be hard-pressed to find any other entertainment out there that has a better price per minute, you know, price per hour when you break that down. No, I disagree. Breaking the panel over at <laughs> patreon.com slash breaking the panel. That's a better value. I, I just, I don't, 
as much as I think it should happen, I don't know if it can, Paul. I agree. And I think if it does, I, I think my son will see it happen. I think it's going to take many, many years. Uh, well, I think in order for it to happen, you would basically have to get virtually every developer at every major studio to agree together. And it would have to be like a full industry-wide boycott to get unions in place. They would basically have to say, we're halting development on literally fucking everything. So I, then yeah. would that mean that your yearly sports games don't come out every year? <laughs> for that, does, year. that does that mean your That'd Call like of the, Duties don't come out every every yeah, year? That that would be the year that uh, baseball took off, for example, with the players. Yeah, with the players. Um, do I think that'll happen? Maybe, maybe not. Do I think that there are other factors here that make it a difficult proposition? Absolutely. Outsourcing is a thing. There are developers in Japan and Korea who would love those jobs. I mean, they already have, a lot of them already have jobs and there's tons of work being done in Japan and Korea, for example, uh, China as well. China is an emerging market for game design and game companies. Like uh, we have huge mega chi uh, Chinese mega corporations that are investing in virtually every major studio for video game design right now in the industry, getting sometimes controlling stakes, sometimes not controlling stakes, but significant stakes. If you present the union question to the entire industry, I think a whole bunch of companies are suddenly like, all right, we're closing our U.S. offices. We're closing our U.K. offices. Yeah, that's, that's a possibility. We're, we're, we're retreating into Eastern Europe, countries like Romania. Uh, if you, if for anybody who's a longtime from the Helicarrier fan, you'll remember our good friend uh, Nikolai from Romania. He worked for EA doing QA, yeah. uh, game testing for a while, uh, over a year, I think, if I recall correctly. And he'll he got paid pennies comparatively to like what you would expect. And the, the yeah. conditions sucked. You know, some days he had, you know, a 10, 12 hour day and other days he had nothing. You know what I mean? Like he, you know, there were times where like, oh yeah, we're in between projects. We have nothing for you. Don't come in for this week. You know what I mean? So they will retreat into countries that don't have the same protections. They'll retreat into East Asia where there are numerous countries that don't have the same protections. Japan has a huge issue. We've talked about this in the past, in the game design industry, in the manga industry, in the uh, anime industry, with people being worked so hard, they die. They literally die at work. They've been at work for a week straight. They take a shower at the company-provided shower. They go back to their desk. They die of exhaustion or poor health or whatever. Those companies will absorb that, that uh, labor if they can. You know what I mean? India, India already provides a uh, tremendous amount of tech support it wouldn't take much of a nudge to get them to become, you know, the coding base for the future of game design yeah. potentially. So now what does that do to the cost of our games? If everything is there, does that mean the cost? It definitely down? doesn't decrease them, but it, it, the, the real question becomes the quality because now you're dealing with stuff like language barriers. You're dealing with culture issues. You know, we're going to talk about this in a second, the culture in a Japanese design company versus a culture in a Western design company. You know what I mean? You, you run into potential issues with that. You might run into a Metroid Prime 4 issue where you don't get your game because the company actually has some ethics, which is shocking. And they say, hey, the game we designed is crap, so we're going to hand this over to a different studio. Take that as the segue. Let's talk about that. Metroid Prime 4. Nintendo says... Get Primer. We ain't got shit. 
we're canceling. Yep. We're going to hand this off. I forget the name of the company, but Retro. We're Retro. We're going to hand this off to the American dev that made the other Metroid Prime games. Yep. The, the first two, uh, for sure. I don't know if they made the third one. And they're like, here you go. We have faith in this company. Uh, they've done good before. We think they'll do good again. We did not do good. Let's discuss that for a moment. That's that's huge, man. It's a huge deal, especially from a Japanese company. Yes and no. Go on, Phil. Well, I mean, look, Metroid has had a very Rocky-esque game life in the last couple of years, right? It's not considered actual number one top tier Nintendo real estate. Mm-hmm. People like it, but the last few games have been really, really shitty. Um, you know, is it surprising that they canceled it? It is because, you know, they had the teaser at E3 and everyone thought that this is going to be the year that prime four comes out. So they cancel it, <sighs> but it's going back to retro. So like, it's been this roller coaster of the things are shitty, but now it's going back to retro, but it's not really the same team that made the first three, but it kind of is. So like you have all these ups and downs. It would be crazier let's say if this was Mario Odyssey 2, if this was the follow-up to Legends of Zelda's Breast of the Wild. (laughs) Can I get that copy? Uh, Yes, over at patreon.com slash your mom. So, but no, it, it would be just a little bit more surprising if it was one of those, you know, two pillars of or even pokemon you know if if the new generation of pokemon got canceled and shipped off to the american company that would be shocking Mm -hmm. so uh, we'll see i think it's the right move and i'm very proud of them for finally saying you know what this doesn't hold up to the standards that the switch is right now you know if this was still the wii u would this game they would have just moved forward oh they would have just pushed it through 100 percent. so that's why i find it not as shocking um as uh as some other people do i think it's a big deal for a game company to do a big push and have a a recognizable ip and then go you know what we're gonna stop We're, we're gonna take our loss on all the money we've already spent and turn it over to somebody else because i've said for years you know, before game production became on the par with movie production, where you gotta get out now, gotta get out now, gotta get out now. And I mean, the joke is um, Blizzard stuff launches with bugs and then they patch, I think is that company, right? Um, and that's all companies. And I've always said, why do you rush it to market when it's a property like, how, uh, that's a bad example, I was gonna say Half-Life, Half-Life 3. But when it's a, a property, <laughs> right? No, that's not going to market. But when it's, when, when it's, uh, um, you're working on something like this Metroid and it's not working. It's not working. Just say, Hey, we're going to punt. We're going to kick it down the lane a little bit. Instead of coming out in fall of 2018, we're looking at fall of 2019 to, to refine and polish and, and get it better. And companies don't do that. Like you just said, if this had been the Wii U, they would have just dropped the turd on it. Oh yeah. Done. And I think it's just a big deal that they stopped because they've on the surface, the quality wasn't there. It was just crap game. And, and, they're like, you know what? We're just not going to do this now. Well, I mean, now that this has been, it's not even like they're not even fixing it. They're just right to the shredder. We're starting over new. This game's not coming out until 2021, 2022. Yeah. And who knows what the Nintendo by then looks like? You know, we could be on a different Switch by then. 
This could be a late in switches life cycle release. It could yep. be the midpoint. Um, what I will say though, is the community responded pretty positively to this. Yeah, uh, we did. Most certainly. Th- there were a lot of people who were like, thank you. Thank you for being honest with us and admitting that you didn't have something, you know, something of quality, I should say. Thank you for being honest with us and telling us what your plans are. Like, you know, we're, we're axing the project for now. We're handing it off to this other studio. That's a really big step. It's a big way to be. Um, it's going to be so bigly. Uh, <laughs> I, and it's, it's a breath of fresh air in an industry that is full of bullshit and double talk. This will transition to one of my other topics here in a second here. But basically, we are, as a, as a consumer base, gamers are tired of being lied to. They're, we're tired of being deceived. We're tired of just, like, getting shoveled bullshit because we can see through it. There are people out there who don't give a shit. Like, don't get me wrong. There are people who don't read anything. They don't watch any videos. They don't care at all. They buy the game when it comes out. They play it. If they like it, they like it. If they don't like it, they don't like it. But that's increasingly becoming a smaller percentage of the population. People are engaged. People who are fans of gaming are big fans of gaming. And people who are like, you know, Phil in my age, for example, that that prime age for kicking off a major part of your career, starting a new family, that kind of stuff. Well, Charles, you're a little farther along because you're an old man. Yeah, uh-huh. you're like already two foot in the fucking grave, man. But like, you know, you start dealing with the struggle of, well, I only have X amount of time to play a game. So I want the games that I buy to be great. They have to be. They have to justify their time in my life, yeah. much less so than a, a child, a teenager, or a college kid will say that, or even a mid twenty something who's like, "Yeah, I work a you know a minimum wage or slightly higher job. My only responsibility is to show up for you know four shifts a week, and then I go home, and I have no worries in my life, and I can play video games all the time and shit, and go party and all that stuff." Um, people are tuned in, and people are much more critical. So this kind of transition to talking about um, Ian Hazikostas is the design lead on World of Warcraft. And in an attempt to be in touch with their community, which is something Blizzard has always kind of simultaneously been really good about, but also terrible about because they're good at talking to the community. They're terrible about saying things the community wants to hear uh, or responding well to the community's feedback. He's uh, in an interesting spot right now. They just released a Q&A in regards to the latest expansion, Battle for Azeroth, which has been, quite frankly, widely regarded as a colossal failure. Uh, really? The subscription numbers are really low. People are really frustrated with it. A lot of, a lot of guilds have fallen apart over it. Um, the people who are still playing kind of... Uh, they're, they're ho-hum about it. Um, they just released their, I think it was 8.1 or something like that patch. And it didn't really do much to to improve perception. But they did a Q&A where he finally admitted that some of the design decisions for this expansion were a mistake. That some, some of their design elements didn't pan out. And talked about some of the, their future plans and ways they were going to adapt. Um, the general consensus that I've seen through skimming through threads and stuff on Reddit and other places is people are like, okay, um, that's great, but that means that this expansion is done. Like this, it's going to have more content, but they're not going to fix it. They're going to fix things for the next expansion, which has become Blizzard's like MO. 
they release a, a really hop in expansion that is good quality and everybody enjoys for the most part. And then they release a dud. And, and it's largely because they keep continuously reinventing the wheel over and over again for no reason at all. It, it, this is my big bone. This is my soapbox moment of the episode, by the way. Uh, <laughs> I even labeled that as such in the notes. <laughs> so if you were edging yourself, you know, you're getting close. <laughs> yeah, you're getting close. Uh, so I got into a conversation on a Reddit thread about this, though, and somebody was like, it's nice that he finally admitted. And he started defending Ian Hazikasas, and they're like, it's nice that he finally admitted, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, that's great, but it doesn't do anything for me. And here's why. And, and somebody else was like, well, what do you want? You want him to ritually eviscerate himself out on the front steps? And I'm like, well, you make that joke, but if you did – if if." a design lead in a Japanese company had an expansion flop this bad, they'd probably resign because there's been a history of that sort of thing happening. Like people just resign because they failed, you know what I mean? For whatever reason. But anyways, point is he finally acknowledges some of these features didn't pan out. Azerite armor is a huge issue. Uh, the, a number of the new game modes and stuff are an issue. The list goes on. Someone's like, so what do you guys want? Like he admitted that, that they had problems. And I'm like, here's the thing. This is like a kid who throws his ball through a window. Did that kid intend to break the window? Nine times out of 10, no. That was not the goal. That was not the issue. Uh, the kid was just living their life, doing their thing, and fate intervened. Their, their fun ended up smashing the window, this expensive, valuable thing, pain in the ass to replace. Do I think Ian Hazikostas set out to design a bad expansion? No. But do I think he sat in 18 months of Q&As where he just kind of sneered at community feedback? Do I think he and his team looked at the feedback they got from Alpha and Beta and told people stuff like the global cooldown changes were fine, that the Azerite armor was fine, that taking away legendary weapons was fine, etc.? Yeah, he did. He doubled down repeatedly in Q&A after Q&A. They even mocked the community on a, on a number of occurrences and so when he finally like tucks tail and says hey we screwed up i don't care that's my like i don't care you you've 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 lied to me for months you've sneered at me when people like me when we've given you our our feedback oftentimes detailed feedback you've told us that we're blowing things out of proportion you've told us that we don't really understand some of the design motives and stuff and you know what you're right because the game that we previously had fun with isn't fun anymore and you fucked it up and your name's on it and so you own it so that's basically the conversation i got into someone where i was like there's he can't fix it because he's part of the problem are you saying it's too late to apologize? Yes, 100%. They, when, you, when you break something, there's a point where it's like, you, but you told us it wasn't broken for 18 months. Yeah, and, that's, that's the shit part of it. Yeah, like you, you told us it was fine until it wasn't fine. And we've seen the same thing happen. EA did the same thing with Battlefront 2. Uh, it's fine. It's fine. Everything's going to be fine until it wasn't fucking fine, until your, your sales were so low that you had to finally acknowledge as a company that you fucked up, that you overestimated what you could get away with. And you got called out as, as in a tremendous fashion. Uh, you got you. One of the quotes one of your community reps uh, made became a meme forever. Multiple memes. There's great multiple great great quotes from the EA thing, uh, and it's the same thing here. It's it, so people just don't want to hear it. Like they don't want to see another cue because the the big other issue that he's been accused of is he does this like lawyer speak this double talk where he like. Mm. 
he dances around the issue and what's been brought up and everything. And it's, it's always like this bullshit justification. And it's like, no, you fucked up and you fucked up before and you fucked up again. Cause this is the guy that d- was the lead of encounter design and two expansions ago, which was a flop as well. Like, has he designed anything that worked? Yes, he has. Come on. I, I mean, he's, not, he's not wall-to-wall garbage, and I don't think he's ill-intended, but he lies a lot. It's his job to lie. Then fuck off. It's it's yeah. really his job to lie. I mean I understand, but it needs to stop. Because well, this this company is in shambles. You and I had a conversation the other night about how you you literally said to me, You're not sure that Blizzard will be here in ten years. I don't. I still don't and it's like it's because of shit like this it's because you in regards to wow it's because you push these design this complete you know what i'm talking about too because you've played forever every expansion it's like look at all these core mechanics we developed for this prior expansion into the trash and now we're going to rebrand them and you know (laughs) reset them and do a slightly different but dumbed down version of what we did before we're going to strip out things from classes we're going to make things feel different we're going to change the global cooldown changes that have been this way for a fucking decade sorry i'm getting heated <laughs> a goddamn decade <laughs> well, and, and it's the global cooldown thing uh charles i don't know if you understand what global cooldown is no it's when you take actions in an mmo and some other games there's a delay before you can take another action so even if you're jamming the button multiple times or jamming the next button it pauses that input until X amount of time has passed and it's usually okay. not, not super long, but it's an input delay that is intended to slow things down. They, okay. they put everything back on the global cooldown for this expansion and then started taking things back off. And they're like, Oh, well we got to take things off that feel bad to be on there. And it's like, you change the pace of this game from the way it's been for 10 years. People don't want to play world of Warcraft two. They want to play the world of Warcraft. They've been playing for 10 years, but with new content, exciting new things to get. Right. They don't want to have the core gameplay completely changed for them. That's nobody is down with that. Nobody. And it's it, it, to, to, to who they're trying to appeal to. Nobody knows because they're certainly not bringing in a bunch of new players anymore at this point, but they are chasing away longtime veterans and hardcore fans in droves. And they have been doing so for a long time. So yeah, it's, Phil, you can chime in if you like. I mean, no, no, you're not wrong. You're not. You're not wrong at all. <laughs> Sorry, I, it's just I like Ian Hazakosas. You know, honestly, part of part of me likes him, and part of me hates him. <laughs> yeah, like he's a very he's a very very divisive figure. You know, I think he's a really smart person, and I, but I think that with that intelligence comes some arrogance. And you know what? I'm saying this as someone who who knows that people on this network think the same thing of me. So I I am not without my introspective aspect. Uh, He's a smart person and I think his intentions are probably pure, but the problem is when you pair that with someone who is a bit arrogant and then you make them the public facing front of a project and they lie repeatedly in Q and A's for months in an attempt to be quote unquote transparent and they're not at all transparent, truly Mm. it's infuriating and it's just, it's dumb. And it, it completely undermines faith in the company and faith in the team. Yeah. Uh, it goes back to what the emperor has no clothes and, mm-hmm. and everybody's pretending to go along with, Oh no, he's fine. It's good. It's fine. And, and it does smack you in the face. Like how stupid do you think I am? Well, he's a mark so much 
but you're saying it's fine. What'd you say, Phil? Oh, he's he's a criminal defense lawyer by trade. Like he he has and can still legally practice law. He's actually uh, a lawyer. He's a fucking lawyer. Oh my god, that makes this so much funny. <laughs> yes, but I I'm wondering that um, I'm wondering if they're about to remove him. Oh, of course. And this- put him- I don't mean fire him. I mean, the, I can see well, what's going to happen. Diaper's going to make it look like an accident. Is that what you mean? No, no. they're going to no. move Hazakosis into the think tank where all the senior developers have been going, and then we will never hear from Hazakosis. Uh, going to the farm upstate. Yes. Yeah. Blizzard, Blizzard very rarely outright fires someone. They shuffle them to a different project or a different team, and they wait about a year or so, maybe two. And, excuse me, and then they announce that they're leaving. They're, they're going to pursue other opportunities. It happens all the time. Mm. The, the classic one I always point to is Diablo 3 Bashiak. Bashiak used to be on the WoW team, hey. got slid over to Diablo 3. Uh, he was like the main interaction on the forums when D3 first came out. D3 comes out, and uh, on top of the not being able to connect to the servers meme, there were a number of issues with the core gameplay, particularly once you hit Inferno. Once you hit the hardest difficulty setting, there was a fucking brick wall of difficulty spike in the second act that it made it unplayable for the average person. And there were issues with the way loot was distributed. There were issues with the real money auction house. And he sat there for the first several months and refuted point after point after point, told people in the forums to their face, to everyone's face, you don't know what you want. You don't know what you need. We know what we're doing. And what happens? Reaper of Souls finally comes around. They completely redesign the game. They revamp all of that stuff that was garbage before. They make the game literally five times the game that it used to be. He gets shuffled away to a different team. He leaves, I think, a year or two later. Yeah, he left in 15? Yeah. He stayed around long enough to get an NPC put into WAD for him, and then he left. And that's the kind of fuckery that I'm talking about. I'm talking about people who sit there and just fucking lie and tell people that everything is fine. They might believe it, but it's bullshit. I get it. You cannot design by committee. You cannot take every piece of feedback you get as a community and be like, oh, no, hold, stop the presses. Two guys mentioned that we might have an issue with this thing. But when you get thousands of people harping on the same issues, you're confronted with this situation where it's, okay, Are we technically correct, which is, yes, the best form of being correct, but are we technically correct, but are we also wrong in that even though we have, you know, understandable and agreeable design goals, like mechanically, like we have this grand vision of what we want to design from a game design perspective, but that translates very poorly to player experience and players don't like it, that's the question you've got to ask yourself over and over again. And it, it's one of the issues I ran into with Strike Force, man. You know, I was like, I, I don't like it. I don't like some of these things. Like, I bumped into these things, and, I'm, and other people said the same thing, and a lot of us left. Some people stuck around. And the way they communicated is they fucking lied over and over again. They're like, everything's fine. Everything's cool. And then they're finally like, ah, okay. <laughs> Maybe it wasn't cool. Maybe we fucked up a little bit. And so I just think this is indicative of a bigger issue in game, the games community, the, you know, the games industry. They need to pull a Nintendo. They need to pull a Metroid Prime 4 and say, listen, we screwed up or we don't have it or we're going to delay for a year this game because we don't have it right now. We don't have a polished product that is going to come out and be great. And Nintendo is a perfect example of some of their projects are so... Ah, mm, delicious. They're so good. 
the switch is a smash success right now because it's a good console with good support on it and it has a ton of great games so many games that most people can't get them all there's a lot of reasons why they're successful but it's they complete in my opinion nintendo completely changed their approach to how they handle business in regards to the switch it's true for the most part, in particular, embracing indies in a way that they never have before, embracing third-party developers and doing everything they can to help them get started on their platform. And the other big thing is not shying away from more adult-oriented content, uh, uh, mature content. I'm not talking about like nudie stuff. I'm talking about your Dooms, your Wolfenstein. I also want to add that they also um, very either mid to late last year took the band off of content creators giving them free range to use their ips to so oh yeah like they coupled with studios like ubisoft and that's why you see the mario plus rabbits game but you also have to remember like the fucking struggles of the wii u era i mean they can't mm-hmm. go on 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 well but the, know, the, it's, it's arguable that the failure of the wii u as a console and the struggles that the company went through at that time we we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, I think it was. We know that if the Switch didn't succeed, they were going to just completely close yep. the game division. They were just going to be like, yeah, we're out of consoles, we're out of games, we're done. Could you Dude, imagine software, that? Software developer only. They've still even said that. They've said that recently. They said, well, you know, it's not out of the realm of possibility of us not doing another console and just focus on software development. Mm-hmm. So it's something that's still sticking in the minds of the CEOs and the execs over at Nintendo. Right. So it's, but that's, they had a failure period. They, you know, restructured, they built themselves back up and they came out and they came out with a product that was incredible and they came out and arguably, I guess you could say that wow does that, you know, your Legion is a, is a return expansion. It's the return of the kid. It's, fucking rocky coming back and beating the shit out of the you know the antagonist of this movie and not getting his ass kicked but this is a company that was it has the biggest mmo of all time it became the defunct leader of the mmo genre from also from a company that has been the leader of their various genre for a long time except mobas they were <laughs> yeah they were definitely the last of the pack on that one industry leader trendsetter you know, major pathfinder in the future of gaming and they became a victim of their own success and they they repeat the same sins over and over again. And they're always trying to lie and save face just to generate revenue. And it's like, if you were just honest and you fucking like back down once in a while and you were like, Hey, okay, we're wrong. Like our original goal here was wrong. We're going to stop trying to do that thing. And we're going to try to make, ch- if they just like act some of those like agendas that they have going on and we're like, Hey, we're going to refocus on these other things that we are doing well. And we're going to try to fix a couple of these things that we really screwed up. They would be in such a better position, but they're not doing that. You know, but are they doing organized play? <laughs> well, this is a real small tack on to the soapbox moment. Uh, Fantasy Flight Games and Wizards of the Cow or Wizards of the Cow Coast it's Couches Wizards couches, of the Couches Wizards of the Coast. Uh, Fantasy Flight is the company that makes the X Wing miniature game, the Legend of Five Rings, uh, the Game of Thrones LCG, a bunch of games. Uh, Wizards of the Coast makes Magic: The Gathering and Dungeons and Dragons. They announced sweeping changes to organized play, and I hate it. I hate it because there's, I'm not going to get into the nitty gritty details because I don't think most people who listen to the show care about it. And I don't think either you care about it, 
but it kind of speaks to what I, I was talking about just with World of Warcraft and some of the stuff they did there. They, Wizards of the Coast has this habit of rebranding products and rebranding lines and things. Uh, so they take one product that's named From the Vault series, and they're like, we're canceling From the Vault. Here's a, the uh, Planeswalker Spellbook series, which is essentially the exact same fucking product. It's X amount of foils with some other stuff in it, and it's once a year or whatever, twice a year. Or whatever. You know, basically, they, they rebrand a product, they change its makeup a little bit, but it's the same concept. It's premium version of whatever. And it's obnoxious. And so in regards to organized play, that is, you know, going to your local shop, going to a big shop in your area to play in tournaments to try to aspire to your, um, your competitive circuit. Uh, Wizards of the Coast has changed their Grand Prix, which were the, the, the public accessible big tournaments. Like I'm talking 1,500 players or more at most of them in a big convention hall. Earth. Yeah, uh, but it, it, it's a combat. It's a yeah. extreme, it was prior a extremely competitive event. If you made day two, you you pretty much always got some significant prize. And if you made top sixty four, you got cash. You got sent a check. And if you made top eight, you got sent a big check, like a like a check that more than covered your trip. Um, and the win, if you, I believe it's the first and second place at a GP, got you invited to the pro tour. And if you got enough top eight appearances at Grand Prix throughout the year, you also got invited to the Pro Tour through points. It was a big deal. They've rebranded it. They're like, well, we want the Grand Prix to seem accessible to, to everyone. So we're going to call it a magic fest. The seem accessible or be accessible? Seem. Because it was accessible before, but people were intimidated by the Grand Prix title. They're like, oh, well, it's a competitive event. You know, there's nothing for me to do there. It's like, no, there is shit for you to do there. Uh, you can go play side events if you want. You can go deal with the vendors. There's always a bunch of vendors there. Uh, you can make a weekend of going to a Grand Prix and not play in the main event, I promise you. You can go with your friends who are going to play in the main event and have a great time. I've done it. I, I did it for business. I went to a Grand Prix that I didn't play in because it was uh, team, and I didn't want to play team. And I did business that whole weekend and hung out and, you know, played side events and stuff. They also are rebranding their pro tour. They're not calling it the pro tour anymore. I forget exactly what the name they came up. They're obsessed with rebranding and renaming things because they think it's going to be more casual friendly. They think it's going to appeal to more people and it's fucking stupid and it's bullshit. And FFG just did the same thing. Uh, they're, <laughs> they're renaming their championships. Um, so there used to be, follow me here. Okay. You used to have something called store championships. You still do. That's pretty self-explanatory, right? That's your, your local store. You go into your local store, you play that game. If you win the store championship, you're your store's champion. Then sense. they had regional championships that are regional. So like here, it would be like probably all of upstate New York or in New England. It would like, they would might hold it in Boston and have it pull from Connecticut and Vermont, New Hampshire. You know what I mean? Like a, an area. If it was down near Phil, it would be like all of the greater Philadelphia and probably most of Pennsylvania and so on. Sure. Is where they would expect to pull in. They've renamed that prime championships. Then they had I'm national for that Twitch backing or something. <laughs> I don't know. And they have uh, formal optimist backing. Yeah. So now prime prime sounds like your penultimate championship, right? Like if you, right. if I win a prime championship, I'm the King, right? Your prime. Well, it's third from the top. 
Uh, the next step used to be called national championships. That means you become your nation's champion. They are now called grand championships. And then they added a new tier that they didn't have before called continental championships because we need to further fragment things. And then the world championships are, are the. Are okay, the now I'm just picturing uh, the fucking Nintendo Power Glove and playing Super Mario 3. <laughs> It's fucking the wizard. stupid. Like it, it, it's these companies are trying so hard. They're trying so so hard to make their organized play seem accessible to the casual. Seem like oh, you know, if if you just started, you could de- you should definitely go to this thing and try to play in this thing and everything. And my opinion is they fail to realize that having a name that is one easily understandable, two has tremendous history. An example with, with Magic, where Grand Prix has been around for twenty years. The Pro Tour has been around since essentially almost its inception, so like the inception of Magic. It's been around for over twenty years. Those names mean something because when I search Grand Prix or Pro Tour, I can look up all the prior Grand Prix. I can look up all the prior Pro Tours. I can see the decks that won. I can see the people that won. Some hell of a bookkeeping. Oh, there's a lot to it. But it's when you rebrand a Grand Prix to Magic Fest, now there's a disconnect. (laughs) Because it's like, oh, well, so let's say we're two or three Magic Fests in, and you're like, well, who won Magic Fest 2019? Or not 2019, but uh, 2015. There's no Magic Fest 2015. What the fuck? Like... There's this huge disconnect from the history. And I would argue that in Magic in particular, the Pro Tour and the the gravy train that kind of came along with it, because there there were great benefits for being on the Pro Tour. They're mostly gone now. They've pared them all away. It's all this cost-saving measures as well that is kind of inexplicable. But the Pro Tour, the competitive circuit, and the coverage that came along with it is why Magic ballooned the way it did, particularly about six, seven, eight years ago. Um, I remember watching competitive magic tournaments on justin.tv. Yeah, yeah, I remember Justin TV. Justin TV, for those who don't know, was the precursor name of Twitch. Justin.tv was the original streaming service, and it was um, was basically, uh, they had another companion service at the time that was named something different, but Justin was pretty much for gaming and kind of whatever. They rebranded to Twitch... Uh, within a year or two and magic streaming has been on that platform almost since the beginning, like since the beginning of streaming outside of YouTube being a thing, it's been there and it's been a big part of the scene. And that is something that drove thousands of people to become interested in being competitive magic players, to read articles, to watch videos, to watch coverage, it, to, to chase the dragon, if you will. To, to get to the highest echelon of being, you know, competitive magic because it create it just like pro sports does. It creates this interest. It creates this, your hobby is suddenly lent this tremendous amount of legitimacy when you have something like a grand prix and a pro tour that people can talk about. And it, it seems prestigious. You know what I mean? It, it seems like it matters and you watch this coverage and the coverage is detailed and great. They're doing away with that because the other issue that came along with this is they're not covering this stuff like they used to. They used to have text coverage for sure. They used to have video coverage for a lot of it. And they're abandoning a great deal of that. They're cutting a lot of that out. They just basically fired the photographer they've had for 20 years for the Pro Tour. 
because hmm. they don't they don't need that him anymore. There, I cannot tell you how iconic in the Magic community those Pro Tour winner and Grand Prix winner shots have been. The same photographer taking the same victory shots at the end of every event for 20 years. Dudes holding their big trophies. You know what I mean? It, it's been a it's been a meaningful thing. And some of these people who have been repeat winners have said some of the best moments of my life have been recorded by this man. You know what I mean? Like some of my happiest moments, some of my greatest triumphs have been right. pictures snapped by this guy captured in time. The look on my face, it, you know, is so now na- it's the whole thing. <laughs> they care so little about it that at the, um, the event that they just had, I can't remember if it was a grand prix or a pro tour, the winner didn't even get a trophy. What? They've given a trophy to everyone forever. That wins one of these major events. They didn't have a trophy on hand for him. But if you pay two hundred dollars, they'll ship one to you. <laughs> I believe they're shipping him one after the fact, but they didn't have a trophy for him. It's so fucking stupid, dude. Like you, you built something up. You you have this legacy that is undeniable. Twenty plus years of a competitive circuit that has mattered. Yes, you've changed, you know, prize payouts and the 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 fine, you know, the the, the minute details over the years, but that didn't matter. There was the Pro Tour, which everybody wanted to get on, and then there were the Grand Prix, which anybody could go to, and it meant something, and it was a recognizable name, and you had 15, 20 years of it, and you just throw it out the window to seem more accessible and have a, a, a hip, trendy new name. Because they also want to like turn the Grand Prix into feeling like a con. They want it to just feel like the Magic Fest ideas. They just want it to feel like a con. Dude, fuck off. <laughs> I'm sorry. Partner with a con. Yeah. Well, they they do their own con. Hascon. Hasbro con. Has been con. What? Ha- Hasbro con is a thing. Hasbro Hasbro's a parent company of Wizards of the Coast. Not for long. Disney's going to buy him up, right? Disney buys everything. But other than that, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But I, I realize I just ranted for like 25 minutes about shit that most people don't care about, but it's, it speaks to this core issue. Companies are increasingly disingenuous about why they're doing things and how they're going about it, and it's sickening because anybody who's like tapped in can read the writing on the wall. It's only the, the, the casual scrubs of the world who are convinced by these efforts, but you lose your hardcore fans when you do stuff like this because they lose faith in you. They don't trust you and they don't like what you're doing. So fucking stop doing it. There you go. Phil. Hold on. No, no, hold on. Hold on. We just had big news break. Okay. All right. Oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) Go ahead. Uh, so during the recording of the show, Warner Brothers has announced that Ben Affleck is out as Batman and that Matt Reeves is the Batman will be dropping June 25th, 2021. That's not what I'm reading in this headline here. Uh, well, that's I see super pets movie release dates announced. No, you scrolled down too far. Dumb I didn't scroll. That was in the, that's just in the tag. <clears throat> so they're using the James Gunn, quote unquote reboot of the suicide squad is the new jumping point and that the Warner brothers is very happy with the early drafts of uh, Revis's the Batman film. So it, it looks like uh, it looks like Ben is out and it, they might be going for a younger, you know, more origin story telling of, uh, of Bruce Wayne, hopefully not so early where we have to see some pearls fall on the ground, but early enough to see the uh you know year one-esque batman fuck batman well 
Hmm. The 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 DC boo has fallen. That's pretty much the death knell for the combined universe for sure. Oh yeah, completely. Absolutely. I mean, they already said they were going to be focusing on individual things, but the fact that I'm curious as to why Ben Affleck's out. Well, if they're going with like a year one storyline of he doesn't fit. He's, he's no, way that's true. Fun. No, I get that. I mean, if they if they if they, but that obviously is not where they were going originally. Where they're having him help write the script and everything else. Yeah, he's not producing. Oh, hold on. Um, uh, it was later confirmed that Affleck will not be directing the film, but it will still produce. And uh, blah blah blah. I don't know if he's still Did signed he on as a producer. Away a few times. Well, he's had issues with it with rehab. He's been in and out of rehab for alcoholism. So, okay, I don't know. I it'll be curious to see. Um, if I was married to Warner Brothers like he is, I would have a problem with alcoholism as well. Mm. So just, I, that, that's that's a poor a joke in poor taste. But honestly, like yeah, his, his well, relationship with Warner Brothers has been the worst. Yeah, it's been pretty bad. And I, I didn't mean to tack this on to the end of the show, but. Um, it just popped less than an hour ago. So, yeah. uh, interesting, very interesting. I wonder who they're going to try to fulfill that, uh, the cow with now that, that Ben Affleck's out, especially if they're going to go for a younger role, younger, different. Is the kid from Gotham old enough yet? <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't do that. They muddy the waters, but, uh, they could go with Melissa McCarthy. She knocked that out. That That'll go over well. Yeah. <laughs> I am the knight. <laughs> Batman takes a shit in the sink. That'd be funny. Uh, I love the little tagline. Additionally, DC Super Pets will open May twenty first. <laughs> um, I don't even know. I don't even know who you could even start to think about who's going to take that over. It's, a, it, it's there's a lot of baggage that comes with that cave and cowl at this point. A lot of baggage. Well, especially with the iteration that's been going on right now. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll keep an eye on it, and we'll uh, we'll report on it when it comes out. Yep. Uh, you, Phil, have been streaming lately. What what have you been streaming this? So week? yeah, um, I recently have purchased the Super Mario Brothers U Deluxe, the port from the Wii U. Um, and I've been running through it. Uh, I, I, I did it last Tuesday. I started last Tuesday and uh, we finished the Mario side of things, which was great. Um, a lot of fun. People seem to enjoy it. But the good thing about this game is that there is a, a hard mode. There's a, oh, so you think you can platform, um, which is called Luigi U. It's a shorter level and you have uh, only 90 seconds to get all three coins and get to the end of the level before before all hell breaks it's loose. Built-in speedrunner. It's a speedrunner. That's exactly what it is, Charles. Yeah. And it's very fucking difficult. Um, we uh, we got almost to the end uh, this last you know past Tuesday, and we'll probably end it. We'll probably get through the rest of it um, this upcoming week. But it's been it's been a lot of fun. It's been very fucking frustrating. Um, people have been watching me lose my absolute shit because I don't need controllers yet. I don't throw controllers. Uh, all my rage is internal. So uh, why am I going to break well, them that I pay money for? <laughs> I'd rather break myself than, than the controllers, but it's been good fun. And I'm really just trying to stall out until Celeste comes in the mail, which probably won't be until March, April. 
So we'll see on that, but it's been a lot of fun. And uh, even though it's a port, I feel like I've gotten my money out of it. I didn't realize there was a second harder version. Or is that only on the Switch version? No, it, it, it was on the Wii U, but it was a DLC. Uh, I don't think I finished the Wii U game. Fully. But it's been good. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. Um, and then on the botched page, I've been, uh, you know, doing those dating simulators. Uh, the last one we did was called Had a Full Boyfriend. Pigeon Forge. Where <laughs> you are a female student in a all bird school, and you're trying to find love in a bird eat bird world. <laughs> it was uh, it was as weird as it sounded, but uh, we had a good time. And uh, I haven't actually had time to watch anything because I have been reading. I recently started reading Harry Potter. Because I've never read any of the Harry Potter series. So I picked up book one off the bookshelf and I've been reading it. But as everybody knows, or hopefully everybody knows of me, uh, I give up halfway through and then I put them back on the shelf and never reopen them. So <laughs> there's a lot of book to go through, man. Well, I, we own them all. So, you know, the wife has gone through all of them. So we'll see if I can get through book one. I feel like if I get to the end of book one, hopefully that will be enough momentum to get through the next one. I'm just doing it by a book by book basis. We'll see. But uh, right when I get done this episode, I'm uh, going to be go watch the uh, exciting Netflix story on um, Ted Bundy, which I hear is fucked. That looks that's pretty great. Horribly good. Yeah. I haven't yeah. seen that, but it's on my list to watch as well. People are getting weird about it, and I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> Everyone knows how to Google. But um, I have a fascination with uh, the, the American serial killer, so I'm excited to see it. It's gonna be it's gonna be dark, man. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> I'm not I'm not saying don't watch it. I'm just saying it's gonna be dark. That's all. The wife came in and took my knife away, but if I <laughs> it would have been a perfect time to to pull that giant butcher knife out. You didn't run her through by accident. So no, she snuck up behind me, took it, and then put it on my throat. And then I said, like, okay. <laughs> anyway. Oh. Uh, uh, I tapped into a comic book film this week on Netflix. I tapped into Polar, and I'd heard that was coming out. I've never read the comic, and yeah, the premise sound, seemed interesting. It opens up with Johnny Knoxville. How can you go wrong with Johnny Knoxville? Uh, it's according to Travis Jones and the internet is nothing like the comic book, and people who read the comics aren't really digging it. Um, it is cinematically gonzo, man. It's a little all over the place. It, it's think, uh, uh, Assass assassin's ball. What was that? It's not murder ball. No, aces high was the second, the prequel smoking aces, smoking aces. Thank you. Uh, it, it's very much scattered and shot all over the place. Uh, lots of gratuitous sex, lots of gratuitous sex. In it. There you go, Paul. Yeah, I mean, there's one moment where they, they shoot from house. behind this girl intentionally, and her Daisy Dukes are barely duking. And I was like, I love this movie. This is this is, but it, it, there's the scene. And I won't ruin any of it for you, but there's a scene where I'm like, what? Going it involves a school, and that's where I'll leave it. But it's like, what is going on? What? Okay. Uh, overall, great performance by Mads Mikkelsen. Is that how you say it? Yeah, Mikkels Madsen. I don't know whatever. Uh, but he was he was actually phenomenal. 
Um, I can't recommend it because it's very taste specific. Um, very much a dude's film and funny at parts, weird at parts. Overall, I enjoyed it. It was, it was not a horrible waste of an hour and a half. Uh, and then this week, all I've been playing for the last, seems like two weeks is this Pokemon Let's Go. But because on the Pokemon Go podcast, a listener was awesome enough to get me a Switch and provide that game. And it connects to our game, Pokemon Go. So uh, I felt like I needed to, to get it done so I could get And I finally did get to the part that was at Fuchsia City or whatever. But I got to say, this is my first experience with the Pokemon game. And I was enjoying just regular playing through it. And I was like, oh, you know, I'm about eight, nine hours into the game. And I spent, I don't know, last Sunday or two Sundays ago, I spent about three or four hours playing it. Uh, so I'm like, I'm about eight or nine hours in the game. I'm just going to go down to Future City so I can connect to my phone. Ten hours later, yep, I barely get there. It's like every five fucking steps when you get close to this thing. Hey, you got to fight me. Hey, you got to I'm like, fuck off. I literally had to transport out of the area where I was close to getting to the city. I had to transport out to another city to heal up and shit to then come a different way. And I still had to fight fuckers every, oh my God, it just got, I was literally, I haven't done this since I was a teenager, but I was literally yelling at the TV. My wife was laughing in the back room was, it was like, I just want to fucking go to the city. Oh my God. It was every goddamn step. It was something else. Was like, uh, well, that's that's your f- problem, man. Uh, because if you would have played when you were, I don't know, in your 40s, when the original games came out, <laughs> you would know that <laughs> there's a walking pattern where you can walk around and dodge every single one of those trainers oh, just to get that. to Future City. Yeah, how dare they make me play this game and level up my pocket yeah. monsters? But nothing is like that until Future City. Every other city is just sparse. I could go up and, and I was. I was going over and attacking me. But then I had to look on the internet. What's this tea bullshit? I had to go find out, figure out how to find the fucking tea. Then I had to go to the goddamn ghost tower and get some x-ray goggles to perv on some chicks or something. You know, it was fucked up, man. <laughs> it was weird. It's still an overall well, I can now I can slow it down. I actually like that part, Phil. I like focusing on building the team and leveling up the monsters. But when I want to go somewhere ten hours to fucking get there after I'm three feet from it. It's not the game's fault that you fucking are impatient. You can't blame the game for making you play the game. How far are you going? Huh? How far have you gotten? Oh, man. Uh, I passed Fuchsia City, <laughs> douchebag. <laughs> um, I don't know. I put it down when Smash Brothers came out, and I haven't picked it back up. Uh, I, I don't know. I just got so It's like, it's right there. It's right there. I'm right here. It's right there. Fucking let me get you. Oh, damn it. But I've beaten it on, every, you know, on other iterations. Yeah. So, you know. Well. Good on you. You and Joe can have a beer together. Oh, my God. I would love to. (laughs) What have you been playing in this week? Well, I have. uh, I went back to The Division, uh, which came out a few years ago. Uh, Some of you may know that The Division came out and it had a lot of issues initially when it came out, uh, particularly with the end game. It wasn't super fun. Well, they retooled it last year. I don't know what part of the year, but they, they revamped the end game and it's, it's pretty fun. I will say um, uh, the new, the sequel is coming out soon. So the community engagement's pretty low on it and whatnot, but um, 
the game was kind of frustrating playing through as a solo player, just trying to get to max level. Uh, there are certain enemies that will just like literally one shot you sometimes, okay. namely shotgunners, like shotgunners, just like they'll flank behind you when you're not paying attention and they'll just one shot you. And I didn't much care for that. Um, and then at end game, the, the issue I run into is these dudes with rocket launchers. They'll just, they shoot one and they shoot another one and they shoot another, like it's not an actual rocket launcher. It's more of like a, uh, a grenade launcher, I should say. But these grenade launcher dudes are just like, boom, boom, boom. And it's like, you can't dodge them all. And it's a big part of the game is being able to dodge the grenades and stuff. But, um, dodge the wrench. You can dodge grenade. It's, it's kind of cool. Um, it, I, I keep going back to it because I've kind of had an itch to play a shooter like that. So it's been kind of fun in that regard. Uh, I got to try the Anthem beta over the weekend. Uh, one of my friends was in it. And... Uh, uh, oh, no! What's Anthem again? No! Anthem is the new... Uh, the new, uh, like, personal mech suit game. Uh, from oh, EA. No! Well, let me put it this way. It's not that it was bad. It's just that it's kind of ho-hum. It's not, it didn't blow me away. It has some cool features. But here's, here's the thing about it, to defend it. If you want to try Anthem, uh, if you do EA's new subscription service for 15 bucks a month, you will be able to play Anthem. Anthem is included in that. So basically, you buy that, you pay 15 for the month, and you go jump in and you play. You get access to a whole slew of games. There's tons of EA games that are part of that. But Anthem is part of it. So I know a couple of my friends are just, they're going to pay the $15 a month. They're going to play it that way. And um, they might there might be other parts of the service that they care about. So if they don't play Anthem, it's no big loss to them. There's other options for them to jump into and do things. And honestly, it takes you four months to get to the point where you're paying for the game itself. You know, So at that point, if you've paid... If you've played Anthem for four months, I mean, you've you've definitely gotten your money's worth for sure. Uh, so I'll probably do that. I'll probably pitch in the 15 bucks, sign up for EA service, play Anthem with my friends for a bit. And if we fizzle out, we fizzle out and I cancel the service and it's not a huge deal. Um, yeah, but they got to blow that out of the water because Nintendo has that mech game coming out this year as well. Yeah. Uh, another oh. thing. <laughs> All right. What? <laughs> yeah. You just meh. I don't know anything about Nintendo's game that's supposedly coming out. So. DM on X Machina. Oh well, yeah, we'll see if that's any good or not. I mean, who knows? Well, the, the only problem with that game is it's a very Japanese game. You know what I mean? That's true. Anthem is a super westernized. Like Anthem felt more like the Division than it did like any other personal mech game I've played. Um, sure. And by mech, I mean it, it's it, you're Iron Man essentially. Like there's different suits, but you're you're kind of an Iron Man type. Pacific um, Rim. No, you're not big like that. Well, you're Iron you're Man right, size. You're right. You're it, right. It's a bodysuit. Um, and there's different bodysuits, so you know, like one of them's like a Hulkbuster and and whatnot. So, anyways, we'll see how it all pans out. It just a, a lot of the few, the other issue was uh, people said that they felt like the PC port it was an afterthought, like it, it's not as polished as the console versions, which is a reoccurring issue because EA and a couple other companies seem to think that PC is an afterthought, which is super dumb. Uh, so yeah. That, that's that um what else did i play there was something else i wanted to mention that i've played recently eh, can't remember it um yeah 
I guess that's it for. I had something else, and I just literally cannot remember. Uh, I just picked up. I mentioned this before the show for any of the patrons, but uh, picked up uh, mutant football or mutant league football. I think it's uh, mutant football league. Uh, whatever. What is it? It is mutant football league. Yeah. Yeah, it is. So Mutant Football League, uh, I got it for 20 bucks from Amazon. That's coming Friday. So with any luck, I might play that on the FTH Beyond channel on Saturday during the day before we do our Booze and Borderlands stream later on Saturday because we're pushing it forward a day because of the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, uh, come check that out. We'll, we'll have fun. I will be playing whatever Patriots equivalent team exists in the game. And <laughs> they're I will, just called the Patriots. Yeah. <laughs> I will probably oh, immediately, or... I'll immediately queue up uh, whatever Philadelphia Eagles equivalent team is. Uh, they're called the underdogs. Oh, okay. And uh, the I will hope... actually have muskets that they bring out and just shoot <laughs> people. Cool. Uh, but yeah, that'll be a thing. And, uh, yeah, come check it out. Man, I remember playing mutant league football. Right. Yeah. It's back in the the day. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, man. That, that game was great. They had mutant league hockey as well, which was fun. The, the ice had holes in it so you could check people and they would fall under the ice. (laughs) Oh, I did have something to mention though. Yeah. Charles, have you seen what's coming to PlayStation Plus next month? No, I, I tend to not look at like the surprise, but you can tell me. I just don't get a look. Okay. Uh, For Honor is coming. Okay. For Honor being Ubisoft's uh, somewhat checkered uh, uh, action. Is it, uh, Call of Duty clone? No, it's the uh, the Melee uh, fantasy game, uh, fantasy action game. It's uh, You can choose to either be a knight, a viking, or a samurai. Okay. And there's different uh, subclasses within those factions, and you fight each other in weapon to weapon combat. And there, it's it's kind of nuanced and interesting. Um, it's a game that probably would have done better if they weren't trying to microtransaction the fuck out of it, because mm. it, it's a really cool premise, and it's definitely um, has a big appeal to people who are fans of like the Dark Souls series, uh, because it's definitely about like you know dodging and tactics and stuff of using your weapon type effectively against the the opposition which brings me back around to what i mentioned what i was going to say that i have played uh i picked up neo this past week on playstation 4 neo is a dark souls clone uh set in feudal japan with a spiritual aspect built into it and i've been excited to play that game for over a year but i never wanted to pay 60 bucks for it because i'm terrible absolutely terrible at souls games and i have no interest in the actual dark Souls series but i'm gonna play neo uh, <laughs> it's also put out by team ninja which is a studio i have some faith in i will probably stream that at some point because it will be hilarious for you to watch me die over and over again and laugh because i'm gonna get angry and i'm gonna be on stream and i'm not gonna allow myself to express my anger so you might actually see me have an aneurysm and or a heart attack and die Oh, so make sure you tune into that. You're going to be the Goliath from Borderlands, man. All of a sudden, the heads are going to pop off a little wormy hands. They're going, yeah, totally. Yeah, because uh, I I stopped at the beginning to the main game, but I did like the tutorial section to get up to that point, and I died a bunch of times, kind of look, feeling out the mechanics and everything. Uh, and I did get frustrated a few times. Uh, back to the PS Plus thing, but the other game that's coming out on PS4 is Hitman, the complete first season. Yeah, I love that series. Huh. So that should be pretty cool. 
Uh, Xbox, well, let's look that up real quick. Xbox is February Games with Gold is Bloodstained, The Curse of the Moon. I've never heard of that. Uh, that's a pretty cool. Is it good? Yeah, yeah it's, it's a Castlevania-esque game. Oh, okay. Uh, Super Bomberman R. Dog shit. Is it? Yep. I like, to re- I like back in Nintendo. Or say- was it Sega or Nintendo that did Super Bomberman? It was Nintendo. Nintendo, yeah. And then the 360 uh, versions has Assassin's Creed, Rogue, and Star Wars, Jedi Knight, Jedi Academy, which was hot shit. So Xbox not doing great for February. They didn't do great for January either. Or 2018 or 2017. <laughs> now, uh, 2017, that's some good stuff. But yeah, 2018, <laughs> not so much. All right, we'll hit some sales and stuff next week and hit you guys up with that. Uh, But if you'd like to know more about what we do, go to giantsizeteamup.com. Visit patreon.com forward slash breaking the panel. I'll find us on iTunes, tiny.cc forward slash GSTU to buy some awesome merchandise from the show. We've got a bunch of cool T-shirts and mugs and stickers up there for all the shows, so you can check all that out. Of course, if you'd like to email us, Patreon, or I'm sorry, that's not how you email us. You uh, email us btp at giantsizeteamup.com. You can have your voice in your two cents and correct us when Klotz is wrong. No! Yeah. No! <laughs> uh, until next week, uh, Chris Wisdom still just getting a tan. Breaking the Panel is the flagship podcast on the Giant Size Team Up Network. You can support the show at patreon.com slash breaking the panel, and you'll find more of our amazing podcasts at giantsizeteamup.com.